I'll try to run the clicker in this at the same time. We'll see. But Well, we are in the middle of, or I guess just the beginning, maybe, of the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5. If you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and turn there. Uh, last week, we did an uh, overarching kind of intro of 5 through 7. Today, I, I want to talk just about a very common section that you might be familiar with called the Beatitudes. So this is a famous section of Scripture. Uh, I probably will not be able to do it justice. Uh, the title of today's message is Be Blessed, if you would like to share it with anybody. Um, but in this section, called the Beatitudes, is actually Latin for beatus. I think I'm probably saying that right. I'm not a Latin scholar. And that means to be blessed. So Latin is the Beatitudes, beatus, be blessed. And we know that that's where they got this from because they all start this way, right? Blessed is the person who does this and that and the other thing that we're going to get into in just a minute. But also, here's what I need for you to understand and hear, because uh, this idea of being blessed is not just future tense, it's present tense, and actually, it would be a better translation to say happy, which seems weird for us in our American ling- language, right? Because, like, a good steak dinner can make me happy, right? A, a good movie can make me happy, right? Uh, there's lots of things. Happy is kind of a feeling, and so it may be even better instead of that, so to this idea of blessing, sometimes it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that. Happy is a little bit better, but then it gets lost in our English vocabulary. Uh, maybe the word congratulations would be in better order. So it's this idea of extending a congratulations. This is worthy of, of congratulating someone for. And so as we look at this Sermon on the Mount, I want for you to understand something that maybe most churches don't talk about, or maybe you haven't heard before. Christianity is not for the faint of heart. Christianity is not always easy. When you come to Christ, it doesn't mean that everything hard passes away and then your life is just, you know, sunshine and lollipops. In fact, Jesus will go on to tell his disciples and those who are with him on this mountainside as he is beginning his his sermon. He's going to tell them later on throughout Matthew, and we will see that following him is difficult. And we already talked a little bit about that already when we talked about what it means to be a follower, right? So following Jesus is difficult, yet it's interesting to see he doesn't start this, this amazing sermon that way. Instead, what he starts it with is saying, hey, hey, these are some things that these people should be congratulated for. These things are, are to make you blessed. You are blessed to do them. You are happy if you do them. And by the way, we should congratulate people who do them. Does this make sense? It's important for us to understand that as we, as we go into what Jesus is about to talk about here. So in the beginning of his sermon, he doesn't start out with saying, this is how difficult it's going to be to follow me. He doesn't say, hey, this is a call to arms, although both of those things are true. Instead, he says, when you follow me, you should be congratulated for it. Because these are some things that you will experience. Does that make sense? If not, I hope to do better as we move on. But for now, let's pray. God, our Father in heaven, we thank you for this day, the day that you have made. We ask that you would be glorified in it. We thank you for this most amazing passage. We thank you for the very words of Jesus that bring exaltation to you, encouragement to us, as well as conviction. 
God, as we look at this Sermon on the Mount, and we look as, as what it means to be happy, what it means to be a follower, uh, what it means to be blessed in your kingdom, we ask that you would help us to manifest that in our own lives, knowing that without you, we can do none of it. And so we praise you and thank you for this message on this day for your people. And in your name we say, amen. So let me start with the focus. So happiness, congratulations, and I'm going to use the word happiness. That's why I wanted to clarify it in advance so that we're all on the same page. So when I use happiness, I want to say, what is the focus of happiness? True happiness. Not just, you know, you get a good test score or the cop lets you go with a warning, right? So true happiness, the focus as we define happiness, I want to tell you what happiness is not. Happiness is not fun, although we can have fun and we can be happy as we have fun. Happiness is not fun. They are not equivocatory. Happiness is also not pleasure, physical gratification. Happiness is not even security. I know in our American view of things, we seem to think that that's what happiness is, right? Any of those things. If you're having fun, then you're happy, right? That's why you want money, so you can buy all the toys, right? Guy with the most toys wins, right? Or we think it's pleasure, and that's why adultery, fornication, pornography, Physical gratification is seen as the height of pleasure, right? That's why uh, God made me this way, and you need to celebrate that kind of thing. Or even security, which is why the, the government wants to bail us out, why we cry over our 401Ks when we see them go down, or why people buy guns. Not that there's anything wrong with, with guns or with retirement or any of those things, but we can't find our happiness in those things. That is not the defining factor of what happiness is. So what is happiness? Well, according to Scripture, according to Jesus' sermon that we're about to see, happiness, true happiness, in the real sense of the word, lasting happiness, what Scripture might call joy, is a state of satisfaction, a state of belonging, an attitude on life. I know this sounds really hippy-dippy, right? But the fact of the matter is, it was a long-haired, bearded guy in sandals who said it. So, <laughs> what I'm getting at here is real happiness, true happiness, biblical happiness, blessedness is peace with God. That is what Jesus came for, to bring peace to sinners, to be our intermediary on our behalf to pay for our sin and transgression so we can have relationship with God like it was supposed to be in the garden. And so this is what he's talking about here. As we focus on this, what happiness is not, what happiness is, I want to talk about its source, where happiness is not. It is not in entertainment. It is not in constant activity. There's very many of us, myself included, that have been diagnosed with this thing called ADD, or if you're really fortunate, then you have another letter, ADHD, which means that you cannot sit still. So if you've ever met my son, you know which one I'm talking about. You know where he gets it from. It's from me. And so happiness is not in being constantly active, although I'm unhappy, generally speaking, right? Like, 
I feel depressed or something when I'm not doing stuff. Perhaps you're that way, but that's not where happiness resides. And I'm sorry to tell you this, American. Can I see everybody's hands? Nobody's got any stones this morning, right? Happiness is not found in freedom or independence. I know we think that, but that's not the source of happiness. In fact, I would argue that the more free or independent we are, especially independent from God, the less constrained by him, then the less and less happy we actually are. And so then, by the way, happiness does not find its source in this world. It's not in your families. It's not in your marriage. It's not in your children. It's not in your career, although all those things are good. It's not in the environment or the socioeconomic status. Where is it? It's found in God only, through Christ only. And so now that we've talked about the focus of happiness, what it is, defining it, its source, I want to talk to you about the facts of holiness, or I'm sorry, of happiness. The facts of happiness. The fact is, is that there should be joy in the journey that begins at the beginning. So the day that you become a Christian, the day that you give your life over, that you accept Christ into your heart, that you pray the sinner's prayer, uh, all those are kind of Christian sayings for basically the bottom line is dying to self and deciding to live for Christ, for, for putting off John and for picking up Jesus, right? That's where happiness begins, It is not reserved for future only, although in Christ we will receive ultimate happiness with him forever and ever and ever in heaven. It is for now. And by the way, then, that means that happiness depends on the traveler, not on the journey. Because if you decide to have peace and joy and hope in Christ, then there's nothing that can happen in the world that can take that away, even if you're battling stage four cancer. Happiness is by participation. You're welcome, ADHD people, not just sitting on your hands. Which means that you're, if you're a Christian, you are to be about the business of pursuing Christ, about the business of growing. Side note, I just remembered this. If you have the church app, um, we have a Bible reading plan on there. I'm really excited about that. Because I just, I just changed something on there. So let me know if you have bugs and if it doesn't work. But, but here's what I did. 20 minutes a day. Um, you can, depending on how fast you read, maybe you can read it faster than that. If you don't like to read, it has a play button. You can hit play and it will read it to you. It has a drop down. You can pick several different translations of scripture. Um, I preach out of the ESV, but that doesn't mean that that's what you have to use. There's a couple different versions there. And what I've done is it goes through a psalm every morning, a proverb. Well, I'm assuming that you're doing it in the morning. I guess you don't have to. It depends on your schedule. Do whatever you want, but 20 minutes a day. A psalm, a proverb, New Testament, and Old Testament. So in a year, you will listen to the psalms twice all the way through. I've got a special day just for uh, 119. That's all you'll do on on that day. And then um, proverbs, you'll do like 11 times which seems a lot, I know, but like it is the book of wisdom, you know. And then New Testament almost twice, Old Testament once. So my goal, this is how I see for you using this. This is how I hope you'll use this. I know this is totally unrelated to this kind of, 
but it's important nonetheless. So I'm going to take your time and we're going to talk about it. So uh, here's my goal for you is that you'd read through or listen to a psalm and then you'd pray and that the psalm would be what would prepare your heart and your mind for the rest of the scripture, right? And then Proverbs. And my goal for you would be then to take one of those verses or one of those things and just let that be your life nugget, right, for that day, right? That that would be what you'd commit to memory, right? And so that you'd have a proverb, the wisdom of the Lord hidden in your heart as you go on. And then you would just enjoy hearing the New Testament afterwards, maybe something that you're more familiar with because a lot of people are more familiar with the New Testament. And then the Old Testament would be a good refresher so you'd have a sweeping overview of Scripture. That's the reason that it is that way. I cannot take credit for that. My father-in-law, is that's how he, the way he reads the Bible. And I'm just here to tell you, you all want to be like Bill, okay? So, so that's uh, why that is the way it is. <clears throat> anyway, sorry about that. Had something in my eye for a minute. Happiness is by active participation, not by hand-sitting. That's what launched me into that. So we should be actively seeking to grow, act, seeking to serve, seeking to pray and to read God's Word. Now, I want to jump forward because we haven't actually got into the Beatitudes yet. Um, and I want to talk... We're going to skip that. We'll come back to that. It's wrong according to my notes, so my notes are right. So you in the back, when I tell you, we'll go back to Fount, okay? Happiness is ultimately found in these things. Happiness is found not in what we have, but in what we are, in who we are. These blessings that are talked about belong to every Christ-like person. Everybody who's seeking to follow Christ-like character. So the first one is found in Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now listen. He's talking about poor in spirit. It is not fun to be poor. It is not fun to live in your car. It is not fun to be hungry. Think of our brothers and sisters in Christ that are not living here in America where we have it pretty good, but are living in a third world country. I watch the news. There's people over in other countries that are mixing pea pods, not even the peas, pea pods with clay. And they're eating that so that they can get rid of the gnawing hunger that they feel. What he's talking here, poor in spirit. So again, not spiritually impoverished, because if we're in Christ, we cannot be spiritually impoverished. We are filled with the Holy Spirit, and we are commanded to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. So what does this mean, to be poor in, uh, pure in spirit? Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen. for that says, The one who is high and lifted up, who inhibits eternity, who is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly, and to revive the heart of the contrite. So what this means is happy are those who realize their need for salvation, for they will receive eternal life. This is what it says here. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed and happy are the ones who understand that on their own they can't make it. Blessed and happy are the ones who understand and who have accepted the fact that in God's eyes they are not worthy of him. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. I'm going to let you guys click through these. 
Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It seems a very strange thing for Jesus on the side of this mountain to tell all these people, congratulate, remember? This is why I preface this. Congratulate those who are grief-stricken. We would never say that. Can you imagine going to somebody at their funeral and talking to the widow? And, you, and th- as you go through the line and you get up to her and you shake her hand or give her a hug and you say, congratulations? <laughs> Only if you're talking to Elisa, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, blessed are those who mourn, really, Jesus? Congratulate those who are mourning? Well, he says here, not from, not from the dead, right? Nor from the idea that the kingdom has not yet come, because Jesus is currently bringing the kingdom in. This is, but rather those who mourn over sin. Those who mourn for the lost. Those who mourn for the fallen world. He's saying, Congratulate those or blessed be to those who understand that this world is not the way that it should be. Blessed are those who are actually crying out to God over the fact that there are people in another country that have to eat pea pods and clay to satiate their hunger. Happy and congratulate those. Why? Because they're going to be comforted. Because one day every belly will be filled. One day, I will be dry. There will be no more tears. There will be no more pain. There will be no more cancer. There will be no more uh, baby. There will be no more miscarriages. There will be no more abortions. There will be no more sickness, or disease, or death. Your family member or sibling who is currently constrained to a wheelchair will run. And in fact, I believe, sorry for your Baptist, dance in the kingdom of heaven. So he said, happy and to be congratulated are those who mourn over this present condition and over sin because they will be comforted. So the way that I might re-say this again before we move on is happy are those who grieve over their sins and the sins of others for God will forgive them and one day set the world right. Next would be in 5.5, right? Blessed are the meek which is exactly the opposite of what our world says. I don't know why, and I'm probably going to get his name wrong. He's the British rock star who has the duck lips and does the walk. What's his name? What's his name? Huh? Mick Jagger. I think of Mick Jagger as the absolute opposite of this. He is not meek by any stretch, right? Like the opposite of meek. But this says, happy, to be congratulated are those who are meek. Why? Partially because such as Christ was, so we are to be. Think of Jesus. Jesus had all of the power of God and yet saw himself not to be equal with the Father, right? Took on the form of humanity. In fact, humbled himself to the point of the cross, Scripture says. Revelation 26, blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection over such the second death has no power. 
here's the part that I really want for you to see. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Daniel 7.22 Until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was for the saints of the Most High, and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. So blessed are the humble, happy, and to be congratulated are those who choose submission to God rather than self-exaltation. The world tells us that you must strut your stuff, that you must be strong, that you must be brave and courageous, that you must, if you're a guy, you must not cry, you must never show weakness. If you're a woman, you have to be, what I think the word now is fierce. I don't, I don't know what that means. But Jesus said, blessed are those who are humble, who are meek. I read while I was while I was looking over this, and you've probably heard this before. This idea of meekness in the Roman times of the Greeks is this idea of power under control. So the word here would be the same word that they would use as 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 a a, a team of horses once they had been broken, not broken by like broken spirits, but broken for use, and that they would be considered this idea of this meek, like they have all this power, but yet it's subjugated and it's under control and that's ready for use at the time of use. So happy are those to be congratulated are those who submit to God over selfishness because eventually they will be given what the world cannot offer. Or verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This is this idea of desire over longing satisfaction, not after the world. Have you ever uh, have you ever had a toddler on your house? Um, we've had four, and uh, we have extras from time to time because you know they have friends and stuff like that. Or have you ever had a teenager around your house? Both of them seem to never stop eating. At least the portions are smaller when you're talking about a toddler, right? But it seems like they're always hungry and always thirsty for something. He's not talking here, obviously, about a grumbly tummy, as Pooh might. But rather, he's talking about here as cravings of the new man. A longing to be more righteous. He says, to be congratulated are they. Isaiah 29, 8 talks about this kind of in a similar way. He says, and when a hungry man dreams, and behold, eating, and awake, his hunger not satisfied. Or as when a thirsty man dreams, and behold, he is drinking, and awakes faint with his thirst not quenched. So shall the multitude of all the nations be that fight against Mount Zion. This is this idea of not finding satisfaction in this world. 
Of course, on the flip side, you're so heavenly minded that you're not of any earthly good, right? That's the flip side of this. But this genuine, heartfelt longing for the world to come. Those are the ones to be congratulated. Happy are those who find their source of satisfaction in God. Because they are going to experience true joy, true fulfillment. And I would say even true purpose. We're moving on to verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So there's these two Christian words. They're not Christian words, but we've kind of made them our Christian now. Grace and mercy. Grace, right, is not getting what you deserve. No. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. And mercy is not getting what you do deserve. So, for example... Maybe a child was disobedient and they deserve punishment. But because grandma's watching them, they don't get punishment and instead they get to go out for ice cream. (laughs) Tis the blessing of a grandparent, right? Sugar you up and send you home, you naughty little. Anyway. But Matthew 5, 7 says... To be congratulated are those who show mercy. Why? Because they get it. Because they understand it. Because for them, they're actually living out what they've been given. As you walk down the street corner, drive around, and you see the the man with too many tattoos, in your opinion. Or, 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 Or the person who's on the sidewalk, who's holding a sign. Blessed are they who show mercy. Blessed are, blessed are they who, who are not uh, judgmental, short-sighted, who pass judgment on others. To be congratulated are those who understand that they are wretched before a holy God, and so therefore they think not themselves. So then, also then, blessed are the meek, right? Because if you recognize your state be, before a holy God, And so what he's really saying is, to be congratulated are those who have allowed God's grace and mercy to so envelop their lives that it becomes a natural experience of true joys of forgiveness that they cannot help but share with others. Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure for they shall see God. So often I think we think of pure as just not doing something. You fill that in for you, right? Maybe it's pure in heart is just not thinking those thoughts, or pure of heart is just not talking that way, or pure of heart is just not, you know, whatever. Does this make sense? We always think of pure in heart as the just nots, but we don't often think of heart, the pure heart, as in actually the change that happens with those who become a new person in Christ. 
Purity of heart is not something you can obtain simply just not doing whatever. Pure of heart is something that you can only obtain by the new life that is given to you by Christ Jesus. To be congratulated are those who actually have new life in Christ. Because by definition, then, they are pure in heart. Strive for peace with everyone, the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Hebrews 12, 14. Happy or to be congratulated are those who have been forgiven by the grace of Jesus Christ because they will see God. You will see Christ face to face. If you get nothing else out of today's sermon, I want you to spend the rest of this week trying to begin to fathom how it will be to wake up on the other side of eternity seeing Christ face to face. Matthew 5, 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, or daughters of God, people of God. Peacemakers has experienced peace. We know what peace is because now we have peace with God. The judgment has been satisfied. The wrath, right? What does Jesus say? It is finished. And so, to be congratulated are those who are peacemakers, who are about the business of reconciling people to God because they themselves have been reconciled. Are you a people of reconciliation? This isn't even where I was going to go with this, but somebody needs to hear this. You need to forgive people and ask to be forgiven, or you're going to have a root of bitterness in your heart, and it's going to keep you out of the kingdom. I don't know who you are this morning, but that's for you. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And then to close it all out, before we go back to my previous point that was out of sync, sorry about that, Matthew 10, 5, 10 through 12, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great, for so they per- Here's where these beatitudes, and often people will stop on 10. They'll go through blessed, 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 and they stop at 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But it goes on for 11 and 12. Uh, that's how I see it breaking down. Just, you don't have to raise your hand, but in your mind, show of hands, how many of you really are looking forward to persecution? How many of you, how many of you in the, in the gulags or in the concentration camps or in the whatever would dare to tell a fellow human being, congratulations, But Jesus tells us to be congratulated are those who are persecuted, not just for persecution's sake, right? If you wear bad clothes, 
and need a tune-up, I guess, you know, then bummer. It's not talking about being teased or being bullied. He's talking about to be congratulated are those who so clearly are imitators of Christ that the world does not accept them and therefore mocks them for what the world counts as foolishness. He says, congratulate them because their reward in heaven is great. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 4.17, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So as we started, remember I said that the Latin beatus, these beatitudes, somebody told me this week, well, that's the attitude that you should be, right? Which is good. These are things that we can congratulate one another for. And that, and that, by the way, even better than that, these are the things that Jesus will congratulate you for. It's one thing for us to slap each other on the back. It's a whole nother thing for Jesus to tell you at the end, well done, good and faithful servant. Congratulations, you who mourned. Congratulations, you who are pure of heart. Congratulations, you who were meek. Congratulations, peacemaker. And so as we look at the beginning of this sermon, and as we see that Jesus is going to tell us, you know, following him is difficult. It requires sacrifice on our part to actually say no to the old Adam and say yes to Christ. I want you to understand that all of these blessings, as we close out, there, there is uh, a way to receive them. And I want to tell you how that is, because I want for you to be blessed, right? So the name of the sermon is Be Blessed. So we've talked about all these things. Go back to the fount then. So how do you receive these things? Uh, firstly is accepting God's will. accepting God's will for your own life. When we strive against the goads, how can we have fulfilled in us the things that God wants? Secondly is living out obedience. As we know God's will and are exposed to God's will, accepting and living that out. And then thirdly, the manifestation of that is our Christ-likeness having our eyes serving God and others rather than on ourself. Because remember the, the first two commandments or the greatest commandments or the culmination of the commandments. Christ says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And where do we fit in in that? So I guess I want to close by asking you these questions. So you can go down to the last slide before the close. Here's my questions. If the Beatitudes are for our congratulations, and if in original it's happy are those who, I want to ask you simply, are you happy? Are you happy this morning? And then the second part of that is, are you as happy as you could and should be? 
Because if not, it's almost, it's almost a given that two things are probably the case or needful this morning. One, some areas of disobedience must be cleared up and some areas of Christ-likeness must be pursued. Because happy and blessed are these. And so if you're not as happy as you should be this morning, some area of disobedience needs to be repented from and some area of Christ-likeness needs to be pursued. It is my prayer, as it was Jesus' sermon, that all of us, all of you, would be blessed. Let's pray. God, our Father in heaven, we thank you for this day, the day that you have made. We thank you for this sermon. God, we ask that this wonderful sermon that Christ had preached will find its way to our hearts. That whatever waters might have been muddied by this mortal man would be clarified by the conviction of the Holy Spirit through Christ. God, that you would instill in us a blessedness that we would pursue, and that you would help us to do that so that you might receive glory, for we know you are worthy. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, let's stand and sing.